Good morning, LCM. Today is Sunday, July 7th, 2019. The title of today's message is Clinging to His Promises, the Promises of Your Family Banner. We want to focus on what your family promise is today, the function of that promise and the impact that you must be walking in as you build your family banner and as you cling to His promises to you. Amen? Let's turn to Genesis chapter 9. We're going to start off in Genesis chapter 9 and we're going to begin in verse 12. Say there when you are there. See, what is going on in this church is the Lord is helping us to build families. Pay no attention to the fact that we have right now 49, no, I'm sorry, we have 50 because we have Sebastian Sosa in the house. Yeah! <laughs> Lena's like, yeah, that's not awkward at all, right? We have 50 children ages 10 and under for this church. By the end of this calendar year, we're going to have 60 children under the ages of 10. Lord, help us. What the Lord is doing is He is building our families, and He's doing it rightly. What He's doing now is establishing things that will last for the generations. Look at Genesis chapter 9 and verse 12. Say there when you're there. And God said, this is the sign, the oath, the banner of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. Notice the, co- the, the components of this covenant and of this banner. It is, an, it is a covenant. It is an unbreakable promise that God has made to His people. Who are the participants? Well, God, because He's making the promise. Then Noah. Every family member under Noah's house. Every living creature with you. Everything that's attached to him, his family, and his household. And what is the time frame that we're talking about? A covenant for all generations to come. See, when God makes you a promise, He's got some specific things in mind. He's got specific people in mind. And what is this that the Scripture goes on to say here? I have set my rainbow in the clouds. And when was the last time you saw a rainbow? Wow, Gay Pride Festival. That was not what I was expecting to come out. So let's address that. Since I asked the question, then I'll have to address it now. What's so wicked about a group that is not walking at all for the Lord and has wicked hearts that have cannibalized a sign from the heavens? What is the problem of why a rainbow is now what we think of about homosexual and that entire LGBTQIA, whatever, 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 however many letters we have now? What is the problem with that? Because it is trying to take what God has promised and distort it in a way that says, well, this is for us. See, everybody's included. No, you see what God has in mind is he has a specific man and his family for the generations and the nations. That's the way that God does this. And what you see here is that every time we see the rainbow, we cannot let it be corrupted by any other group at any other time. Why? Because it is God's promise to Noah, his family, And we're part of the generations that are to come. You see what this is? Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you. See, you can't let your promise be distorted. You can't let your banner be hijacked by somebody else. You actually have to go back to what this means. You have to go back to the origin and the truth of what God is saying. I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. What a wicked thought to steal a rainbow 
because they're representing the flood of dissipation, not that God would keep from flooding this planet again. Man, have you had any promises hijacked? Have you had any of your banners hijacked today? The things that should be a symbol and remind you of what God is doing, but now they've somehow become something else. See, what I heard in the words of prophecy this morning was very interesting to me. It's not that God hasn't promised us anything. It's not that they're not signs and symbols, an oat, a banner, something that is supernatural that we should be looking to. Perhaps the Lord is helping us today to refocus our gaze on what He has actually said because He is a promise-making and a promise-keeping God. Amen. Man, we're in for a good day today. Yes. Every time you see a rainbow, every time you think about it, every time you dwell in it, you should be having it as a sign and a symbol of the promise of God. You're going to renew and remember the covenant of life that God has made with all of mankind. That's what you should be thinking. See, today we need to adjust our thinking. We need to adjust and remind ourselves of what God's promises to us are. Church, can you smell what the pastor is cooking this morning? I mean, the temperature is on high, and we're just now getting up to a simmer. We're going to get to a boil eventually. When you alter the promises of God, it leads to altering the signs of God, and ultimately, you're altering the character of God. We have no right to alter what God has promised. And we can see that from the very beginning, man's heart has been declined in order to dethrone the king of all heaven. God is specifically speaking to Noah here, but he's also speaking to all of mankind. That is who is in his view. God gives you personalized, say personalized, personalized, very personal promises that are designed to help keep you, help steady you when times of struggle are upon you. So we're going to make clear this morning exactly what purposes are for and what they will do inside of your family banner. They're designed to help you weather the storms of your struggle down to the deepest part of your soul. For the Piros, for the Sutherlands, the promises aren't just for a single man. That's true. Of course, promises are also for single men as well. <laughs> the promises are designed to build our strength. They're designed to build our soul. They're designed to build our spirit so that we can propel others into God's presence and equip them for their call. Amen. You see how these two work together? And with the entire body of Christ, imagine when all of our family banners, banners with their promises are combined together. Come on. Let's see how God's promises are designed to help men in their struggles. See, notice here in Genesis 9 that the backdrop, the context of what's going on is what? There's just been a global flood. Yeah. There's been a godly judgment upon the entire planet. We often want God's promises to come to us just basically to drop out of the skies into our laps at a convenient time as we see fit, according to our own plans and our own thoughts. But what we're going to see is that the deepest revelation of God's promises to us will always involve and be perfected through the suffering that's in your life. Can you imagine what it's like for Noah to walk off the boat? He's got him and his family and a world that is just now starting to dry off. Wow. You can look at that as a blank canvas or you can look at that as a, a as being starkly by yourself. Yeah. Man, what a what a what a thought process. How are you going to do this, Lord? You're you're promising me things, but what I'm seeing in front of me is not what it seems like your promise should be. Yeah. 
See, there's expectations that we start putting on God's promises that keep us from actually believing the promise that He's given us. Yeah. God is going to help us today. He is going to fix your eyes if you have a heart that wants to have eyes to see. Yeah. If you actually want yeah. to know what His promises to you are and what you are supposed to do with them, today is a great day for you here in this place. Let's see how this takes place in Genesis chapter 6, verse 12. God saw how corrupt the earth had become. For all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said, in light of the corruption of the entire earth, God began to say something about it. God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. In response to a corrupt generation that surrounded Noah, God began to give Noah a promise and instruct him of how to build that promise. We serve a God who is faithful, and he is faithful to remind us of the promises that he gives us. He is also faithful to show us how to build our family banners and attach to them the promises that propel them forward. God spoke promises to Noah even before he began to build the ark. He promised personal salvation. He promised familial salvation. And that led to salvation of all mankind. Genesis 6.18, we pick up. But I will establish my covenant with you. Where did God begin establishing that family banner? In Noah. Yeah. But did it stop at Noah? No. Not at all. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark. Meaning, you and your sons and your wife and your, and your sons' wives with you. It sounds like one big family affair, doesn't it? Promises aren't just for an individual man. Promises are designed to be attached to his entire family that will echo out and affect even the nations. Hey, man, turn with us to Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. As you're turning there, let me put this in context for you. What has just happened in Genesis 14 is that Abram has gone out and had to fight for his family. Come on, somebody say, fight for your family. Fight for your family. He had to go retrieve Lot. He called up 318 men who had been born and trained in his household. And all they needed was a direction. Let's go. 318 men armed for battle. They go. Days on end, they begin to fight. As soon as they're done with this, in Genesis 15, verse 1, it says this. After this. Somebody say, after this. After this. Do you know what this means? It means right after that story in Genesis 14. It's not a long time after. It's like he went and fought for his family. And then what happens? The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. The Debar Yahweh, the word of the Lord. See, we look at things and we're like, Pastor, we don't see the word promise in this. I do. Because when God speaks, it is a promise to you. It is. The word promise, oftentimes when you're reading throughout the Older Testament, if you're going to look at the word promise and see what the original word in the Hebrew is, it's Debar. It's God speaking to you. He doesn't need to, yes. to, to cross his heart and hope to die. He's going to go ahead and just say, I say this to you, and it should count to you as a promise. Yeah. See, when you start having that perspective, it's almost like the Word of God can come to you in a vision. Mm. 
Aren't we really trying to do that today? To get to the word of the Lord, the Debar Yahweh, to be so clear to us that we can envision what God is saying to us. Get the vision of what he's trying to do today. That is what God is going to help us to do. He's going to help each of us to see what he's trying to do. Let's go on in verse 1. Let me start again in verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. By the way, this isn't the first time that the Lord has spoken to Abram. This isn't the first promise that God has given to him. We actually call that there's a heptatic blessing in Genesis 12. We're in Genesis 15. He got a sevenfold blessing, a sevenfold promise a few chapters before. But this promise is going to bring it into a new phase of his life. It was after Abram fought and sacrificed. He paid a tithe. He had to go fight the enemy. He had zero faith. He had no reserve. He had no holds barred. He had no wiggle room with his family banner. And then God spoke to him. Come on. You think that our sermons are designed just to be one-offs? You think that the Lord is speaking to you as if he can't connect the dots? We're the ones that need help connecting the dots, don't we? See, as a church, we go to zero faith. We start having no reserve in our hearts. We have no holds barred in how we're going to attack the enemy. We have no wiggle room in what starts happening. Anybody been sick in this house? Anybody had sick kids? Anybody? You see what happens in the two and a half weeks, the three weeks or so that we've been since we said, we're going all in in a fresh way, Lord. Uh, the enemy has had an onslaught against us. Yeah. yeah, but we see right here, we know exactly what's going to happen. This is what happened to Abram. This is what's going to happen to us many times when we go, we're going all in again, Lord. I mean, I know I went all in yesterday, but today's a new day. I'm going all in again. Oh, wait, there's an enemy that's trying to oppose you to make you think that it would be better for you to trust in yourself than trust in what God has already said to you. Come on. Wow, what a dangerous place that could be, or what a glorious place. Look at verse 11. This is one of my favorite single verses in the Bible. It's so strange, right? Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, on the sacrifice that Abram made in response to what God said to him. But Abram drove them away. Yeah, he did. What you heard from the words this morning were words of encouragement to help you drive the birds of prey away from your own thoughts today. They were supposed to help you to drive the birds of prey away from your own heart today that wants to let you go and sit back just a little bit. They want you to say, man, we've been kind of busy. There's a lot going on. We got sick kids. Let's just go ahead and sit back And let's just see what the Lord may do to us as we sit back today. We're asking you to press in today. We're asking you to say, praise God for zero faith. Praise God for no reserve or no holds barred. Now what are you going to do today? Because the Lord has something for you today and he wants you to cling to his promises. Clinging, you have to grab hold and never let go of it. And that is a difficult task, but his strength is here with us. The personal promise that God gives comes after a struggle and is perfected in the struggle. Consider what's happening here. Consider what's going on. The Lord is putting us in a situation where the birds of prey are trying to steal the holiness, the reverence, the direction that he is setting through his promises. We are going to be able to battle this. We are going to drive these birds of prey away. Are we going to let these birds of prey stay? No. Come on, we're going to let these birds of prey stay around. You know what these birds of prey are aimed after? It's more than just your sacrifice. It's aimed at your confidence to sacrifice. I could just hear the voice of the enemy say, I'm going to make them pay 
for going to zero faith. I'm going to make them pay going to no reserve. But you know what our attitude is? It's the same as Abraham's. I'm going to make you pay for trying to steal my sacrifice. I'm going to stand up in the name of Jesus and use his blood in his name to see healing break out in this church. I'm going to use his blood in his name to drive back everything that begins to try and touch the inheritance that God has given us. You ain't going to have it, devil. You will not have any part of what God has given us. And he has given us the blessed opportunity to lay all of our lives down as a sacrifice. Amen. Let the word of God cut you open, lay you bare in halves, and watch the glory of God as a fire dance in a figure eight around your sacrifice. Watch his presence consume the very thing that the birds of the air are trying to steal away. Amen. It ain't going to happen. Amen. I'm kind of fired up this morning. Get to the, the word of drove away in this passage indicates to chase away, to drive away, or even blow away. You kidding me? It means to blow something away. Abraham had to rely on the winds of the Holy Ghost. To expel those things that we're trying to steal the sacrifice attached to the promise. Come on, that's good. Do we need the Holy Ghost this morning? Yes. I think we need him every morning. Genesis 16, verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family banner through her. You know, when you get through battling those birds of prey, trying to steal your sacrifice, it then becomes a little more internal as a bird of prey. And that's fear. Fear causes us to deviate from our family banner. To deviate from the promises that God has already given us. We've had lots of conversations after last Sunday of laying out the framework of building a family banner. Pastor Wade preached a phenomenal word of his own testimony in equipping us to know how to build a family banner. And we're now in that second position, that second item in the list we shared last Sunday. And I've heard amongst us as we discuss. That some of you are just finding your mezuzah. Some of you are refining your mezuzah, that first item of a family banner. But many of you guys are, are trying to put your finger on exactly what the promises that, that God has given you. The debar that he's spoken that's supposed to be attached to that family banner. One thing we cannot do is that in search of the promise that God has already spoken to us, we cannot begin to blame God for not fulfilling his promises to us. Our insecurity, our fear leave us in an unstable place that we want to put our foot on something that's solid. And I can tell you, fear feels solid, but it is a hollow pit of despair and death. That's when we begin to work in our own strength to make his promises happen, just like Sarai did. We have to drive away those birds of prey that look like our own fears. We have to crush fear in the name of Jesus. Amen. The promises of God are designed to help us continue to crush these fears and replace it by building up our most holy faith in what he's already said he was going to accomplish inside of us.
I don't think I don't think everybody's listening. Just just say that again, Pastor. I don't remember what I said. We have to position our hearts and our minds and our souls to be encamped on the promises that God has already made for us so that we possess that Holy Ghost wind inside of us that will speak in a way that crushes the fears that try to steal our sacrifice, that build up the faith within our families first. Men of God, if you are caving in to that fear and maybe even just being silent when you should speak up, your entire family will be crushed by the fear that you're just being apathetic to. Stand up and raise up your voice. Let the Holy Ghost begin to breathe through you and speak the promises that God has given you. I would ask you to say that again too, but that's okay. The promises of God are designed to help you crush your fear and build your faith. That's the whole point of the promises. God reminds and clarifies his promise to Abraham in Genesis 18. Turn the page. Genesis 18, 18. It says this, Abraham will surely become a great nation. I'm sorry, a great and powerful nation, and all nations on the earth will be blessed through him. This is Genesis 18. You know what this is? This is a reminder of the promise that was in Genesis 12. It's a reiteration of what he said, but look in verse 19. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Man, the reason we keep coming back to this passage over and over and over again is because there feels like there's something else to mine from it each time. Something else for us to understand in a deeper way as the Lord is reminding us and reiterating to us what His promises are. This promise is now accompanied with more instruction. It's not just that you're going to be a great nation. It's not just you're going to be powerful and all the nations on the earth will be blessed. Let me tell you how you're going to do that. You're going to do that by raising a family banner. You are going to command your children. You're going to shamar what God has said to you. You are going to work through these things and make sure that they have a no reserve, no holds bar, zero faith kind of attitude about their lives. This is what he is working towards. See, what you thought was just about you, it's never just about you. It's about your family. It's about the generations. The promise will happen so that. Somebody say, so that. So that. So that the Lord will bring about. You're supposed to do this so that God will bring about His promise. There are things that He has put before us so that He can show you that He's strong enough to make His promises come true. See, when you miss the so that part of this, you know what you do? You deny God the opportunity to show you that He's going to be faithful to His promises. Yeah. Because you look at something and you look at a circumstance and you don't think that it can happen. Instead, you should go, the Lord has called me to do this And He's going to empower me so that His promise will come true in my life. Amen. So that what He promised to my father or the father before Him or me starting through the generations, so that it will be accomplished. My God, we miss it so many times because we don't understand so that. We get discouraged. We get our eyes. We get distracted. We deviate from what God has said. And He is promising things to you. He has promised things to this church and he will never deviate from his promises. We just have to continue to operate in faith so that we can see the promises come about. You guys ready to sow that? Yes, we are. Go to Joshua 23 verse 14. What we're trying to do this morning, church, 
We're trying to help everyone that is listening to this message develop or build their family banner. Get clarity on what the purpose is that God's given you and your family. I'm going to read this scripture. I'm going to talk through it. But I'm going to speak personally what God revealed to me this morning about the promises that God has made to me and my family. This will be new even to you, my dear. Amen. Brand new. Hot off the presses. Pow. So that. Here we go. (laughs) Verse 14. Now I am about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. That's awesome. Every. Say by every. Every. I said that backwards. Everybody said. Everybody said every. So every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. Not one. A characteristic of the promises of God is that they are trustworthy. Because the God that they came from is trustworthy. The God they came from is faithful. And he will complete the task of his promises that he's made to you. Not one thing that God speaks has failed or ever will fail. The God that we serve is unchanging. The difference is when we are standing in a place when it doesn't look like it's going to happen in the moment. In the moment. This is where it begins to personally affect me this morning. I've known for many years of what our mezuzah was. My purpose on planet Earth was to propel others into his presence. As time went on, as we said last week, the development of Romans 12 attached to my mezuzah gave me clarity that the promise is that I will always be positioned in my tribal arrangement to be in view of God's mercy. They're at the gates, looking through the gates of praise into the throne of God. That's where God put me. Yeah, amen. With the giftings that would begin to well up inside of me at the age of 17, progressing, maturing, developing over the course of years, far outreached just how they affected me. Yeah. Sure. I grew in confidence as I would see them develop inside of me. But what time has proven that didn't happen in a moment is that I see it developed inside of my wife. I see it developed inside of my girls, my children. I see it developed in my mom and all the way down to my black lab. He propels others into people's presence. More meaning robbers going out of my house. But this is where God began to reveal the deeper element of this. He began to speak to me and he said, the promise to you is not just that you stand in a place of tribal arrangement that has view of my mercy seat, but you will lead generations into my presence. You will lead men and women for years and years and it will reverberate to generation upon generation, showing them how to forcefully enter into the presence of God every single time. Much in the same way that the promise that was made to Pastor Eric that not one of his words will fall to the ground. It will continue to bear fruit in the likewise manner. The promise made to me, the promise made to the Sutherlands is that we will have generational impact because of our family banners tribal arrangement. We have to have 
an attitude that recognizes that God is better at leading us than we are at following him. That's so true. We have to have a no reserve mentality. We have to have a no holds barred attitude. We have to have a no wiggle room kind of walk that demonstrates an ever present trusting in his promises. Man, are you are you building in your faith today about trusting in his promises to you? I, I got to tell you, even Balaam understood this. Turn to turn to Numbers chapter twenty three. I want to show you something. Balaam, who is a prophet who is trying to get paid by a wicked king to curse the people of God. This is the the scenario. This is the context for this verse that we're about to read. Numbers twenty three and nineteen. Look at this. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does God speak and then not act? Does he give you his word, his promise, and not fulfill it? God isn't like us, folks. No. See, what happens is when you start walking away from the assurity, from the certainty of God's promises to you, you're treating God like he's another man, mm. like he is a human being. We are not, he is not like us. We are supposed to be like him. He isn't capricious. He isn't wishy-washy. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't lie. He doesn't change. He doesn't fail. He doesn't speak and then fail to act. He doesn't promise and then fail to do it. Especially for his own people. Now, if you've been here for any amount of time, I don't think that anyone disagrees with the statements that I've just made. Well, of course, pastor. Of course he's going to keep, of course he's not a man uh, that he should lie. Uh, of course he's going to do what he said. Yeah, see, but there's a revelation that has to come that he is the promise maker and the promise keeper. That what he has said, he will fulfill. He is not like us. He won't say something and then change his mind. He won't commit to something and then back out. He won't make a declaration and then it failed to happen, folks. What he does for us is when he gives us a promise, you can more than take it to the bank is the expression. Yeah. You can build your life upon it. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care if you get to see it or not. That still means his promise will be true. There are promises made to men in, in the Bible. And you know when they're going to get their fulfillment? At the resurrection. See, God is not worried about whether you live or die. Because if he's made a promise to you, he is able to keep that which he has said to you. Man, I love this place. This is not something that we want you to grasp with your mind. No. We, want, we do not want you to intellectually ascend to the fact that, yes, when God speaks, he will be faithful to his promise. This is not a college course where we're going to test you later on. This is actual real life. And what we're trying to do is say, you got to have something on the inside of you. Yeah. That is not going to allow your, our wishy-washiness, our shifting shadows of our own hearts. See, I know this is the right word because the prophecies that came forth this morning showed it to me. I was believing I was ready to go. And what the prophecies did this morning was say, see, this is right. See, you're doing good, church. There's a lot of areas, but there must be something in our hearts today that is causing us not to believe in His promises. Or we wouldn't be speaking this message to you. We would tell you how good a job you're doing and say, yay, His promises are wonderful, aren't they? We're trying to get you to say, this should pierce your heart. He is not a man like us that He will lie. 
So do you call him a liar in your own daily life? Mm. He is not a, a human being. Thank you, NIV 2011. For man. Being. He is not a man that he should change his mind. See, lying implies that he had some bad, wrong motive. Okay, God doesn't have that. Will God change his mind on something that he has firmly spoken to you? No, he will not. Do you call him a liar? Do you call him capricious or that he's going to change his mind on a whim? He's going to feel one way one day and feel a different way another day? See, the Lord is trying to get at our hearts today. He's trying to move us today. We cannot fall prey to our fickled feelings about his promises. I don't care how long they take you. I don't care how long it takes to fulfill it. You have got to stand strong because his promises are true. Amen. How can we as a church think that he's going to go back on his word when he's been so faithful to us? There are babies in this church because God has been proven faithful. There are marriages in this church because God has proven Himself faithful. There are people who are called and beginning to walk more and more in their calling every single day because God is faithful to you. How dare we call Him a liar by our actions? How dare we call Him uh, that He'll change His mind by the way that we actually function in a day-to-day kind of way? God is calling us to something more today. He's saying, I've made you a promise. Now stand up and believe it. Now stand up and act like it. This is what God is saying to us today. And we cannot fall prey and let our feelings lead us because they will always lead you astray. Your thoughts will always lead you astray. You have to trust in the ever-present, never-changing, eternal Word of God that you are basing everything in your life upon. Saints, is this moving your hearts this morning? If you are stirred and you're wondering, I hear everything you're saying, Pastor. I'm just not very clear on what the promise is for me. I need some help discovering it. Let's start with the premise that Pastor just got through laying down. Let's start with the fact that God is faithful. Let's start with the fact that His character cannot be impugned but that we must pursue the very voice of God. Maybe he's looking for us to go to that point of no reserve in order to hear that promise. Maybe there's some form of idolatry that's blinding our eyes and standing in our view of seeing exactly what those promises are. Let's abandon everything that we hold on to to preserve our own life. Lay it fully down at his and trust that he's going to speak his debar, his word, his promises, and it'll be loud and clear. Do y'all want to hear his promises loud and clear this morning? Let's see how Abraham did it. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. Start at verse 11. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age. For all you young folks in the room, there will come a point when you feel like you're past age. What is the Lord ever going to do with me at this age. Maybe if I was 25, maybe I was still in my prime at 30. Then I could do something for Jesus. But now I'm old and decrepit. I have nothing really to offer. Nobody really sees the value of who I am. Everywhere I go, I'm just going to push to the back. That doesn't demonstrate a trust that God's character is being faithful. But Abraham did. 
He was past his age. And Sarah herself was barren. Was enabled to become a father because. Everybody say because. Because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. See, it has nothing to do with your prowess. It has nothing to do with your strength. It has nothing to do with your past experience, accolades, or your age. It has everything to do with whether or not you're standing on the character of God and that being one of faithfulness. Verse 12. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and countless as the sand on the seashore. From one man who was not only just past his prime, his ability to reproduce was dead. Has come countless people who demonstrate that same faith. Are you of the tribe of Abraham that are counted as the stars in the sky? Are you walking in the faith of Abraham that makes you one of those grains of sand on the seashore? Will you be the one man? Who shows the same faith in God's promises as Abraham did? Will you be that one man who will produce untold life while staring right in the face of death? In Jesus' name, we will be. Amen. Turn with us to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. It says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. (laughs) Who can you possibly think of that would be the sum that this Scripture might be talking about? Me. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Yeah, I must, un- I must have the wrong understanding of slowness at many times in my life. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Abraham and Sarah got impatient waiting on their promise and tried to make it happen in their own strength. See, they had a wrong definition of slowness yeah. because God is not slow in keeping his promise. By the way, I, this uh, is a phrase that, that really, uh, it, it kind of, just brought laughter to my soul this morning. He is patient with you. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some would define slowness. He is patient with you. See, what, what I've always kind of read this verse as is that the Lord is not slowing, slow in keeping His promise to us, so we just need to be more patient on Him and we'll realize that He's not slow. What the Scripture says is He's patient with you. That's good. See, see, we are ready to impugn God's character all the time and we don't even realize it. See, he's not slow in keeping his promise. He's going to do it right at the right moment. He's going to do it at exactly the right time. But see, he's got other things that he's working on. If you haven't yet seen the promise fulfilled, it's not because he's slow. It's because he's being patient with you. He's being patient with us, folks. Well, we're going to wait on the Lord. Yes, I understand there are verses that directly say that. I get it. I'm not making light of that. What I'm saying is, for today's purpose, in relation to His promises, you know who's doing the waiting? He is. (laughs) See, you think you've got to beg Him to get His promises to come to pass. 
he's excited to bring them to pass in you. Yeah. See, you're, you're, you're biting your nails and you're wondering if it's going to happen the way that you think. Well, that's probably the problem is because you're trying to define the slowness. You're trying to define the way that it should look. But what God is saying is I'm being patient with you. I'm going to bring my word about. There's no problem on my end, bro. It's going to be that you. <laughs> As for you, Buddy Brasso, right there, Buddy Brasso, love you, in Peru. Bruh, say bruh. You're not waiting on the Lord. You're not waiting on Him to fulfill His promise. We're just, we're just treading water. No, you're not. He's waiting on you that He might develop. Because why? Look at the rest of this verse. He doesn't want anyone to perish. What He's doing in waiting to fulfill your promise, not in a slow way, but in, because you haven't seen it yet, He is making sure that other people around you get a chance for salvation. That other people around you yeah. get a chance to see you laboring and waiting and trusting yes. and trusting. And it doesn't matter what it looks like. You continue to trust in His promises and it brings salvation to the earth. Yeah. It brings salvation to your family. He is going to light you up, but it's not because He's slow. It's because He's waiting on you to bring salvation to the world. Think about Psalm 119, verse 140. That was new for me this morning. I thought I'd just share it with you. Psalm 119, verse 140. It says this, Your promises have been thoroughly tested, and your servant loves them. Maybe he's waiting on us to just trust him enough and realize that he's never failed us. We've walked away. We've been unfaithful. We've allowed our disobedience and our lack of faith to put us in places where he then has to fix and has to get us back to the place where then he can fulfill his promises because yes. we walked away from it, not because his promises were wrong. Maybe he's waiting on the time to go, how many times do I need to speak to you, church? Woo. Okay. Now, this is the part of the sermon where you're going to put your own name in. How many times does the Lord have to speak to you before you know that he's been thoroughly tested? See, maybe he's waiting on us. Maybe he's being patient with us because we're supposed to be so in love with his promises, so in love with the very debar, the very word of God. We are so in love with what he's doing that we have such trust. I just love it. I love it when God says something to me. I love it. And I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to trust in it. I'm not going to walk away. I'm just going to trust the Lord. And maybe that's what's going on here. See, this is in a section, Psalm 119 is an acrostic. Each of the sections is a letter in the Hebrew alphabet. You know what this letter refers to? In the paleo, it refers to chasing or waiting upon the Lord. Maybe if we wait rightly on the Lord and trust that His promises have been thoroughly tested, man, we love it. We love it and we will get to see His promises come true. Saints, do you all hear the call that we're to love the promises that have been thoroughly tested? It's obvious. It's right there on the screen. But the one thing that God allows us to experience in order to accomplish this is suffering. I want to go to James chapter 1. Let's start in verse 3. As I'm staring at this scripture in Psalm 119, I can't help but think of the process that God is putting in our lives to develop our character that can handle the fulfillment of the promises. 
Und we're not waiting on God to catch up. He's waiting on us to catch up. <laughs> Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. There are promises fulfilled in this room and many more yet fulfilled. What that time frame looks like, the slowness of God versus the slowness of man. We're not certain or sure of. All I know is that I have to begin in a place of joy, pure joy, when I'm facing trials of many kinds. Because then I will know that the testing of my faith is there to produce perseverance. How long am I going to wait on God's promises to be fulfilled? As long as it takes because I trust that the God I serve is faithful. Let's go to verse 4. Let perseverance finish its work. So many times in my life, I thought I was so ready to go to that next step and fulfill the promises that God had made for me. Yeah. Lord, I'm ready to work. I'm ready to work. I'm ready to go into full-time ministry. I know I'm only 18, but I'm ready. That's a contradiction all in and of itself. Yeah. I'm ready. Lord, I've been through all this teaching, been through this testing. I've been at the hip of my, my rabbi. I'm able to imitate everything they do. I'm magnifying it, in fact. But yes, Have you yet been through the suffering that requires an untold amount of perseverance? Has perseverance finished the work on your character so that you can contain the fulfillment of promises? We got to cling to the promises Amen. by clinging to the one who gave them. That you may be mature. Everybody say mature. Mature. Who wants to be immature all their life? I almost got you, didn't I? Yep. Hands are about half raised. No one wants to finish in an immature state. Everyone wants to finish mature, fully grown, complete, and not lacking any good thing. If we hold on to the character of God, no matter the circumstance, it's going to result in not only his promises being fulfilled, but we will be complete and mature. Revelation 6, 9, I'm going to read this for you. That that question of time, of fulfillment not only exists while men are alive, but it's actually after they've died in the faith and are standing at the throne of God. When he opened the fifth seal under the altar, the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. Is that faithfulness, saints? Yes. To the highest degree. Verse 10, they, they called out in a loud voice, Bruh. How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? They are crying out for God's time frame of fulfilling his promise to avenge and bring justice. How long do we need to wait? That's the true question when it comes down to it. How long do we need to wait on promises being fulfilled in our life? Let's look at verse 11. Then each of them was given a white robe. God's response to their longing to know the time frame of his promises is that he gave them a garment symbolizing righteousness. He clothed them with righteousness and they were told to wait a little longer. Wait a little longer. Until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had been 
was completed. You know, sometimes just my work doesn't mean it's the completion of the work. God's not slow in keeping his promises. But we have a really hard time waiting on the fulfillment of them. Sometimes we have to realize that our promises have an impact on those that are supposed to join us. That we need to patiently wait while being clothed in garments of righteousness so that we can celebrate together with those who are supposed to participate in the fulfillment that God's promises have made to us. Amen. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We are 48 minutes in. We have just a few more scriptures to read to you because we want to get to a chance where we can respond rightly to the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, it says this, but as surely as God is faithful, we can stop, we can pack it up, we can go home right now. <laughs> Amen. But as surely as God is faithful, if every man and woman in this room acted as surely as God is faithful, man, our lives would, would, would be even more glorious. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no. But in Him, it has always been yes. yes. Do you hear this? Yes. God's promises to you have always been yes. That's been the way that it's been from the beginning of time. There's no turning. There's no shadows. There's no reason for doubt or dissension or deviation from what He has called you to do. Because your promise isn't just about you. Yeah. It's about you and your family. It's about those yeah. others who you're calling intersex with. Where your tribal placement matters. Where everything about you has been, yes, if you will just trust and walk in it. Verse 20, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Amen. <laughs> How many promises has God made to you? A lot. Yeah. How many promises has God given in this church? A lot. A lot. Some that have already been fulfilled. Others that are in the process of being fulfilled. Others that are yet to be fulfilled. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Him, the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. The number of promises isn't the problem. We're talking about a singular promise that can kind of encapsulate your family banner that will help you move forward, give you something to shoot for, that will never waver, that will never move, that will always be steady. But the number of the promises isn't the problem. His promises are abundant to us. They are overwhelming to us. Yes? Yes. No matter how many they are, they are yes in Christ and because of Christ. We can say, amen. It's done. It's finished. I can trust in him. In me, it is settled as if I've already said amen and it's completed, even when I don't see it completed before me. His promises are yes and amen. Come on, we can trust in this like it's already been done. See, that's the part of the Christianity that we have to really grab hold of for LCM. Not just the things that have already been done, but the things that we know He's promised. We count it as if it has already been done. 
We can look at the facts. We can face the facts that the body may be as good as dead, and yet we hold on to the promise that God has given. That is what causes us to be men and women of righteousness. What faith does it take in His promises if He's already done it? Now it's just rejoicing in it. The faith that we are supposed to display are in the promises yet to be completely fulfilled. The things that are out there before us that we can't really quite get our hands on yet, but we know. Those who can live like they have already been accomplished are the ones who are counted as righteous in God's eyes. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set His seal of ownership on us, and put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Mm. Do you see what he does is he demands of us. He says, I don't change. You should trust me. By the way, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit just so you can know. His word should be enough for you. His, his promise to you, his debar should be enough to last for all of eternity. And you know what he does on top of that? He gives you his spirit as a promise guaranteeing what is to come. My goodness, what an incredible God that we have. The Spirit of God is what helps us to stand firm. The Spirit of God is what helps us to cling to His promises. It's because of this resurrection power that we don't have to doubt. See, maybe the reason that we slide into doubt about His promises is because we've moved ourselves from the reliance and the dependency upon His Spirit and upon His Word. When we are so firm in that, I promise you. (laughs) I promise His promise to you will be made real in your life. Every single part of it. When you begin to take the Spirit of God out of the promises of God, you have a dead promise. Jesus told His disciples in John 14, 26, When the Counselor comes, He will remind you of everything I have told you. Come on, hearing that Word of God, that Debar, Yahweh, it comes by the Spirit of God. And when we are sensitive to constantly yield to the leading and the voice of the Spirit, you know what He's going to remind us of? Everything that Jesus has already told us. Don't go searching for some new esoteric revelation to calm your fears. Open up your hearts and your minds and let's listen to the voice and the Spirit of God that's already inside of us. Hebrews six seventeen says, Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of His purpose very clear to the heirs of what he was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God has a nature that is unchanging in his purpose. He wanted to make this unchanging nature about his purposes very clear to the heirs of the promise. Very clear. So what did he do? He promised it again. (laughs) He confirmed it with an oath. God knows that we are slow of understanding and hard of hearing. And just like parents to a child, we'll just make that promise stated again to reassure their fears. We want to cling to the promises of God. We have to cling to the promises of God. Amen. Now continue on in Hebrews. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. The two unchangeable things are his purpose and his word. 
Also, they are your banner and the promise that God has said attached to that banner. In standing underneath that banner and his promises, we are fleeing the processes of this corrupt generation. Much like it was in the days of Noah, as he was fleeing the corrupt generation of his time. As Abraham was fleeing the corrupt generation of the Ur of the Chaldeans. And as we are fleeing the corrupt generation that surrounds us that will even take an oat, a sign of a rainbow, and corrupt the promises that are associated with it. So instead, we're going to take hold of the hope found in the promise attached to our family banner. And we're going to provide great encouragement to our family as we receive it from the king. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus who went before us has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The hope that God is trying to encourage us all this morning with is to serve as a purpose of an anchor, an immovable promise that will be fulfilled because the God that we serve is immovable and faithful to fulfill. He makes us firm and secure in standing underneath our family banner and promises and aligns us in a position to have full view of his throne and his mercy. Amen. Let me explain to you what your promises are and what you should perceive them as. Your promises are of heavenly origin. Yeah. They started with the very words of God. Your promises are going to be specific to you in nature. They're going to be personalized for exactly what you need. They're abundant in number. You really have more promises than we're aware of. His promises are clear as to the expression in your heart. See, if they're not yet clear, I just invite you. He makes His promises clear to you. That's what we just read. This is exactly what he just read. Because he wanted it to be very clear to you, he confirmed it with an oath. He promised it to you again. Yeah. He reminds you again that you might be clear. And it is certain to have this accomplishment in your life. Yeah. It will happen if he has said it. This happens as Jesus has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Turn with us as, our, as we uh, conclude here to Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14. And verse 18, it says this, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, the king of Shalom and peace, the king of Jerusalem, Jerusalem, brought out bread and wine, He was priest of God Most High. And he blessed Abraham saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, Creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hands. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. This is right after the battle that got his nephew Lot back. This is after the 318 men. This is how that battle concludes. Is when he gets back, he's met by the king of peace. And this king of peace blesses Abram. Saying, blessed be the God. Blessed be Abram by God. Isn't that the way that most of this works? 
that we are starting to walk in His promise and we realize how blessed we are by God. Just like Abram was here. Creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high. See, when we're doing this right, when we put our faith and our trust in the Lord Himself, when we trust in His promises, when we stand under our family banner, when we are unmoved by our circumstances and situations around us, we are amazingly blessed. That is true. But lest we think that even this is about us somehow. We are blessed, but it is so that we might turn and give blessings to the Lord who is actually the one who was faithful the whole time. We're going we're gonna to conclude now together. Of course the altars are going to be open. Of course they are. Because we're LCM. I got communication from a pastor the other day. And the pastor wasn't quite sure how to do an altar call. How do you normally do it? I've never done one. And I've never been in a church that has done one. Wow. How is it that we're supposed to respond? Of course our altars are open here. Because we're LCM. But today our focus is on the promises of God. Do you need clarity in your promises today? He will give it to you. It's not because he hasn't spoken. It's not because he's slow somehow. I promise it's because he's being patient with you. Have you accused God of being a liar because of your behavior? I want us to spend time today and I want us to renew our covenant because I want him to make his promises clear to you. I want to remind ourselves of the price that He has paid, the promise that He has made, that even death cannot prevent His Word and His promises from coming true. The altars are open. And as soon as I begin to pray, if you need to take time to get your own heart right and to realize that you've been walking away from His promises instead of walking toward them, I invite you down. As you finish that, or for many of you here in the room, I'm going to invite you to get the communion elements that we have set up on the side of the stage. And I want you to hold on to that. I want you to hold the bread in your hand and hold the cup in your hand. Because God is a faithful God. I want you to be reminded of His covenant that He's made with you. Not just with us. I want you to be reminded of the covenant that He has made with you. Mighty God, we pray right now. God, we move in our hearts, Lord, that we might be touched by Your very presence, that we might be touched by Your Spirit today. Lord, You are building our families. You're building us here. You're giving us a promise. Lord, You're building into us the promises, Lord. Lord, that we might partake in Your promises for our families. Those things that You have clearly communicated those things that you have clearly said to us. Lord, move upon us now that we might look and view you as the promise maker and the promise keeper. Lord, that we may not be fickle in our own emotions, leading us astray, 
challenging you as if you were a man who could lie, who could change your mind, Lord. We want to be faithful in our pursuit of you so that your promises may be fulfilled, so that your strength and your spirit may empower us in each and every way, mighty God. Lord, help us now. Help us now, Lord, in each man, in each woman, in each family, that we might cling to your promise.